Hello, Frighters. I'm Holland Elise, and this is Fight or Fright. Welcome to Fight or Fright. I'm Holland, and I will be your guide through this crazy episode that I have in store for you today. I'm really excited about it. But first, I wanted to take a second to talk about just a crazy thing that happened to me this week. I did hypnotherapy this week and I recorded myself on QuickTime and it was super funny because I didn't keep it because I didn't know about like HIPAA laws or if I didn't ask if I was allowed to record it. So I completely deleted it, but I just kind of skimmed through it and looked at myself and it was the funniest thing ever. But all of this is to say that during these COVID-19 times, I mean, I'm on furlough. At the moment, I don't have a job to go to. I'm trying to figure out what to do with my fucking life. And when you have ADHD and high anxiety, it's not super fun trying to figure all that shit out. So yeah, hypnotherapy and therapy, huge proponent of it. And... But with the hypnotherapy session, it was just, it was a super interesting and cool experience because I've always kind of been into like past life regression and kind of your subconscious and how your subconscious affects how you live your daily life. And I've actually kind of noticed a difference since my first session. And so I'm super excited for the rest of them. But that's just something cool that happened to me this week. But we're going to be all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and go over the pond, or across the pond, to England, one of my fucking favorite places in the world. I went there twice when I studied abroad in Dublin because I love this city so fucking much. It's an obsession of mine, and if I could live there, I would. I mean, when I was in college, I studied film, television, and audio, And I literally, in my senior year, sent an email to the BBC asking if I could be sponsored so that I could move to London because I wanted to be there so fucking bad. But they said no. They said you have to live there and be a citizen in order to work for the BBC. Then I tried ITV. They said no too. So now I'm here in America. I'm in Seattle. But still, if I could move to London, I would move there in a fucking heartbeat, which is why my lovely, amazing roommate, Brianna, recommended this case for me this week, and it is about the two princes. So I'm going to kind of start off by talking about the climate of England before the disappearance of these two princes. So... During this time, they were in the middle of what was called the War of the Roses. This war had a lot of unrest and fighting between two branches of the Plantagenet family. I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry. I'm an ignorant American. So I apologize. There's also some French things that are going to be coming up. And I also don't know how to pronounce those because I am an ignorant American. I'm going to try to do my best. So anyway, the Plantagenet family. And so Henry VI was the leader of the Lancaster House. And they were known as the Red Rose. 
and Edward the Fourth was the head of the House of York, and they were the White Roses. In 1461, Henry VI was locked up in the Tower of London. This meant that Edward IV was the ruler, and at the beginning of his rule, he was away a lot because there was so much tension and fighting because there were a lot of people who supported the Lancaster House, which is who Henry VI belonged to and was the ruler of. And in 1470, Henry VI was freed by his supporters, which meant that Edward IV had to flee. He had to get out of there right quick because that was not good for him. But eventually, the House of York managed to regain power and regain the throne. At the time of Edward IV's death in 1483, there was still a lot of tension. And so Edward IV was king and had had the throne, and he was in a relationship with a woman named Elizabeth Woodville. Elizabeth was beautiful. It was said that she was one of the most beautiful women on the British Isles. But his council didn't approve of him marrying her. She had already been married. She'd had kids. Her late husband and her family supported the Lancaster house. And more importantly, she didn't have any title or alliance that would advance Edward's throne, which obviously in those times, a lot of it was to progress your rule and the land that you owned and who you controlled. And she didn't have anything that would help him with that. So actually... Edward was expected to marry a French princess who was obviously related to the king of France, but he loved Elizabeth and they were married in a secret ceremony. They had two sons, Edward V and Richard of Shrewbury or Richard Duke of York. I saw it both ways. I don't know if both of those are his title or one is, but for the rest of this, I'm just going to refer to him as Richard Duke of York because he was part of the York family side of the War of Roses. So I'm just going to go with Duke of York. So suddenly when he was 40 years old, Richard IV died. And I mean, you could fucking die from going outside in those times. Like it was so easy to die. And there were so many things just because Obviously, advancements were nowhere fucking near what they are now. And so he ended up dying at the age of 40. But what that meant is his son, Richard V, was only 12 or 13. I saw both in the articles that I read, which means he was too young to technically take the throne. He had to have a Lord Protector or someone that would watch over him and help him make decisions because he was too young to run a country. I mean, when I was fucking 12 or 13, if I tried to run a country, it'd be like, everyone's going to be rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> Just be you. <laughs> or I would have been super depressed because it's middle school and middle school fucking sucks. Either way, he wasn't able to fully take the throne. So his uncle Richard of Gloucester was to be his Lord Protector and his confidant until he became of age. In preparation for his coronation, which was on June 22nd, he was sent to the Tower of London. And just 
I know that British people and people in England and the UK probably know this, but just for us ignorant Americans, the Tower of London isn't, wasn't what it is now. The Tower of London today is known as like a prison. There was torture, people died and all that kind of shit. It has a lot of negative connotation to it. But at this time, the Tower of London was considered beautiful and luxurious. And it was like a home and it was it was where most people at the time who were being coronated or who were going to take the throne, it was where they stayed before their coronation. And it was a beautiful place. And Edward V was in the Tower of London. He was deemed to be illegitimate because Edward IV was considered a bigamist. And so this left the throne to Richard of Gloucester, or who was now king and known as Richard III. I would also believe that the secret ceremony between Elizabeth and Richard IV probably didn't help this bigamist situation, rumor, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, it's just like now when you go to the families for the holidays, what what family ceremony doesn't have some fucking drama to go along with it? But Edward V was deemed illegitimate, which meant he couldn't be king. So obviously, soon after, Richard III took the throne. And he put Richard, Duke of York, Edward V's younger brother, in the Tower of London also. And they were rarely seen until they completely disappeared off the face of the earth. And they disappeared in 1483. And for centuries, many believed that the two were just murdered. An Italian friar named Dominic Mancini was in England in the 1480s. And he said that Richard III took the throne pretty quickly, but obviously that's because the two sons were deemed illegitimate and the next person to the throne on the York side was Richard III. And he said that the princes were taken to the inner apartments of the tower. And from that time, when they were in the Tower of London, they were rarely seen until they disappeared altogether. There was much talk about this in Europe at the time, the disappearance of the two young princes, Guillaume de Ruffa, and he was the Lord Chancellor in France. And he asked the French to take warning from England and the fate of the two princes, because at that time, the French also had a young king. It was Charles VIII, and he was only 13. So he was around the same age as Edward V. And so they didn't want the same thing to happen to him that happened to Edward. So there's a lot of theories on what could have happened to the two princes. And one of the major theories is that Obviously, Richard III killed his nephews so that he could have claim to the throne. This theory was brought about by many people, and a lot of people believe this for a long time. I mean, Shakespeare wrote the play Richard III, and if you haven't read it or seen it, the basic plot is that Richard was jealous and power-hungry, so after his brother died, he conspired to get rid of anyone that was in his way of the throne. On top of that, there was a gentleman named Sir Thomas More, 
And he was a Catholic saint. He was a lawyer. He was a philosopher. He was a humanist. And most importantly, he ended up being the chancellor to Henry VIII when he gained the throne. And one of the things that he said was that the princes were buried at the stair foot Meatly Deep. And for anyone that doesn't know what Meatly Deep is, I didn't either. And I looked it up and Meatly is in a proper or fit manner. So Moore says that James Tyrell, John Dighton, and James Forrest killed the princes. And Tyrell admitted to this, allegedly, before he was put to death for treason in 1502. And Obviously, this led to the thought that Richard III ordered their deaths through these people so that he didn't have his own hand in the death, but he ordered it. Richard III wasn't the only person that stood to gain from the death of the princes. There is also the possibility that the princes were alive in 1485. And if they were alive, this would have been a huge embarrassment for Henry VIII. Henry the Eighth had as much to gain from their death as Richard III. And as I stated in the beginning, this was in the time of the War of the Roses. Edward V and Richard III, they were a threat to Henry VIII because they were on the two sides of the family. Edward V and Richard III were part of the York side and Henry VIII was part of the Lancaster side. And so once Henry ended up defeating Richard III and got the crown, he had no fucking problem bad-mouthing Richard III. He would say things like Richard III was a tyrant, that he was cruel. Henry VIII never said a word about him killing his nephews. There was no mention of his guilt in the prince's disappearance and suspected murder until Richard III died and couldn't defend himself. So... A little suspicious there. And so some of the questions that I end up having are, did Richard kill his nephews for the throne? Because when Henry VIII was king, like I said, there was a man who came to Henry VIII and claimed to be Richard, the Duke of York. And the kids would have been dead at that time. So was that Richard, the Duke of York? Or was it just someone that claimed to be him? Also, if you think about it, Elizabeth Woodville put her daughter, Elizabeth of York, in the care of Richard III in 1484. If he'd killed her sons, do you really think she would fucking trust her daughter, one of one of the few living people, to him? Like, I just, as a parent, if you really suspected that your I guess brother-in-law, because I think Richard was related to Edward IV. Would you really put your daughter in the trust of your brother-in-law if you thought he killed your children? And Elizabeth of York, if Henry VIII became king, she was slated to marry him. She was supposed to marry him if he became king. So in all honesty, she was as much of a threat to Richard III as the two princes, because she would marry the person that could potentially get the throne. So she was also a threat, but there she was alive. On top of that, Elizabeth of York, while she was with her uncle, 
she had one of his journals and she signed her name, which in essence associated herself with her uncle. If she thought that her uncle killed her brothers, would she fucking be like, yeah, I'm going to associate myself with him. My uncle's the fucking best. What up? Like, no, you wouldn't. You'd be kind of pissed at the fucking asshole for killing your brothers. Finally, if Richard killed his nephews, why would Elizabeth Woodville, who even outlived Richard III, she lived until 1492, and she never once, not once, brought up the fact that her sons were murdered. Not just murdered, she never brought up news or any connotation that Richard III could have killed her sons. This all came out after her death. And so when it comes to theories and things that could have happened, I brought up Sir Thomas More. He was one of the few people at the time that were speaking against Richard III and saying that he could have killed his nephews. And in theories, like I said, when I was naming his achievements, he was the chancellor to Henry VIII. Could he have been on the Lancaster family side in the War of the Roses? Was this rumor spread as a ploy so that Henry VIII could gain the throne and favor in England, ending the unrest in England? Because if Richard III, who was pretty much the last in line to get the throne, if he was deemed to be a murderer and the person that killed the one who could have been king... Most likely, the people that were on the York side agree that Henry VIII, who didn't kill his nephews, was a better, just a better person to take the throne. So was this all a ploy? And in 1674, the Tower of London was having some work done, and they thought that they could have found the princes. So there were workmen that found a wooden box while they were working. These remains were found under stairs in the Tower of London, which is just some fucking Harry Potter shit right there under the stairs. <laughs> like, I'm a Harry Potter fan. I love Harry Potter. And that's some fucking Harry Potter shit. They believe that this could have been the two princes but one of the reasons they believe this could have been the two princes is because Sir Thomas More stated that the boys were under the stairs. So that was one reason that they're like, ah, this is the princes. Thomas More was right. Oh my gosh. But these remains ended up being placed in the Westminster Abbey because obviously the belief was that it was the princes, so they put them in the Westminster Abbey. And in 1933, the remains were removed and re-examined. And all that was said and all that was discovered was that the remains seemed to be a, a match to the ages that the princes would have been. But, I mean, the examination was flawed. Everyone knows that in science, there's the, the different stages you have to go through. And they went into this re-examination, like, dead set on the fact that these were the two princes. And so they could have had a little bit of bias going into this examination, which led to their results. And then at some point, the vault of Edward IV and his wife, Elizabeth Woodville, was broken into. And I mean, they just ended up fucking finding this adjoining vault 
And in that adjoining vault, there were two coffins with unidentified children's remains in it, which is fucking awful. Just children. I, I love them. That makes me so sad that there is just these two identified children that were found in an adjoining vault. But who were they? There was no inspection and no investigation of this adjoining vault. So there was no investigation into the, who these unidentified children were. And then again, in 1990, the floor of the Westminster Abbey was being excavated to fix a boiler. So while this was occurring, there was a request by people to have the coffins and those unidentified children examined, but that also requires royal consent. And at least that's what I found in my research. So it still remained a mystery. One of the interesting things is in the past 10 years, this mystery is getting closer and closer to being solved because geneticists have obtained DNA that could prove Richard's guilt once and for all. The results of this test were to be published in a book called The Mythology of the Princes in the Tower. I didn't read this. I didn't have time. So I don't know if it has the results or if they're printed in it. But in an article I read, it said that the results were going to be published in this book. The reason that this is closer to being solved is because it was only like 10 years ago that Richard III's remains were found. So that's super fucking recent. That's not long ago at all. I was in college 10 years ago. I was just like starting college. Like that wasn't that long ago. And the significance is that they believed there was no living descendants of the two princes. But again, in the past couple of years, they found that there is this one woman who is a descendant of the prince's maternal grandmother. So they got that woman's DNA. This is significant because if the DNA of this woman matches the remains that are in the Westminster Abbey, then those remains are likely to be the princes, the two princes, adding legitimacy to the thought that Richard III could have killed them because those remains were found in the Tower of London. And everyone knows that Richard III put them in the Tower of London. So it'd give a little bit more legitimacy to that. I don't think it'd fully exonerate him or implicate him, but it'd be looking more like he could have done it. But if it's not a match, then the two princes could have survived past Richard III being king. And who knows what happened? But the Westminster Abbey has been asked to test the DNA and they have denied every time because they're under direct authority from the crown. And so if the royals tell them that they can't perform these DNA tests, then they can't perform the DNA tests. There is also another DNA test that could be done. When Henry VIII, like I said, when he was king, there was someone named Perkin Warbeck. And Warbeck was the man who claimed to be Richard, Duke of York. So potentially he could have escaped his uncle and then come back. So if that was Richard, there are some facts that could support this being Richard, the Duke of York, because this guy, Perkin Warbeck, was 
not killed right away. And I mean, just think of fucking Henry VIII's wives. He loved to fucking kill. He was not great. Granted, Perkin Warbeck was a man, so who the fuck knows? But anyway, he didn't kill him right away. And one of the explanations that people have for the delay in killing Perkin Warbeck is that he really was Richard, the Duke of York. Because at this time, Henry VIII was married to his sister, Elizabeth of York, at the time of these claims. So could he be could have could he have been doing his wife a favor by keeping her brother alive? But Warbick slash maybe Richard Duke of York, he either escaped or was assisted in escaping. Henry VIII eventually deemed him to be too much of a threat to keep alive. So they found him, they brought him back, and they killed him. They could test the DNA of who was deemed to be Warbeck slash Richard, Duke of York. The only issue with that is where his remains were stored was bombed during World War II. The Luftwaffe bombed it. So... A lot of the bodies ended up being excavated and cremated, but not all of them. So there's a slight chance that his remains weren't cremated and they're still in London or England somewhere. That kind of brings me to the end of what happened to the two princes. And when I was reading an article, there was a quote from a French philosopher named Pierre Bailes, and I think he said it best. Antiquity of general acceptance of an opinion is not assurance of its truth. I think this applies very well because it's pretty much been accepted that Richard III killed his nephews. But there's absolutely no proof of this. I, I mean, I can't tell you what happened to these poor princes. They were so young and it's so sad. And who knows what could have happened if Edward V was able to take over the throne who knows where the British Empire would be right now? Because I know his death changed a lot of things. I mean, it ended the War of Roses. It put the Lancaster family on the throne, essentially. So there's a lot of things that happened that changed the course of where the British monarchy is now. And it's, it's just sad, but there's no proof that the princes are even dead. Because there's been no DNA test... There's no proof that they're dead. And if they are dead, how do we know it was Richard III? It could have been Henry VIII because he had as much to gain from them being dead. So could the boys have escaped? Could Edward V have been killed so his uncle could be king? And I think if Richard didn't kill the princes, then Henry VIII, to end the civil unrest with the York family and have the Lancasters take the throne once and for all, he could have been a part of the death of these kids. Until there is a DNA test and the royals actually agree to that, there is going to be no determination if those bodies that were found fucking Harry Potter style under the stairs were the two princes. Until that DNA test happens, we'll never really know what happened. But one of the things that I was thinking about while doing the research was 